This is Phone Home. Joining me today is Mike Hall. Mike is a host on the Big Ten Network. He is also the lead host of the show Sports Light, which also airs on the Big Ten Network and just wrapped its second season. Mike, thank you for being here. Hi, Chip. Nice to be with you. Mike is also an old friend. Sucker. Sucker, which I learned (laughs) talking to your dad when I said it. That we were old friends? You learned that we were old friends talking to my dad? (laughs) Come on, man. That it's been 20 years since I've known your dad. Really? 97? Yeah, I At least. So. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. You knew my parents more than, I feel at least, that my parents, like, people had a, a more of a relationship with. Like, my buddy, do you remember Tyler Mayer? He was, yes. uh, he was my yeah. age. He still talks about how my mom in a refrigerator had a candy drawer. That the bottom drawer of our refrigerator was just fun-sized candy bars. And I swear that was something my mom would do as a deliberate tactic to, like, try to, you know, tamper down high school drinking or something. Like, no, there's a candy drawer at our plus. Come, oh, I believe that. Come play Bond and eat candy. I believe that. Yeah. I think one. I think your mom might have given us the option one time to, you know, if anything goes in wrong or you get in trouble, you can always crash here. Yeah, yeah. But that if you, you know, you showed up drunk, you would wake up to a lecture. That wouldn't be just a safe house. <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Your parents would be on the way to pick you up and see a couple of pamphlets <laughs> tucked under your arm when you woke up from the blood. Stuck to your face this even come better. From? Right, yeah. oh, message received. <laughs> um, so I spoke with your dad, Jim. Heard of him. Heard of him. He was he was awesome. Uh, how often do you see him? That's a good question. Um, a lot and yet not enough, you know, but we'll talk. You know, frequently, I still turn to him for advice a lot. I mean, you really? Oh yeah, yeah. If some, if a lot of times he's good. If I just have like a frustrating day at work, he's a, he's a great. Just like I need to vent. I could call my wife. I could call some friends. I'm just gonna check in with dad because he's like, I don't know. I feel like there's a longer license to bitch. <laughs> oh, the, for sure. That they'll listen longer. Like your loved one or a buddy might be like, I'll give you five minutes and then let's go. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if a lot of people have that. Yeah. Uh, well, if they if they choose if they choose parent over. So or spouse. I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say everything. I certainly, no, of course. My wife would definitely say I complain a lot to her. <laughs> um, but no, every once in a while, he's just good. He's got a very centered way about him that always usually makes me feel like, all right, he's not going to tell me everything's okay, but I also will feel better after. Yeah. Actually, that, that thinking back to stories you've told me about him, that makes a lot of sense that he's just wise counsel. Yeah. That's awesome you've got that in your back pocket. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. What is, uh, tell me any any favorite memory you have of him. Um, you know, I always like to tell the story that, um, it's not one story, it's just a, a, a fact. He never turned down a game of catch. And baseball was a definite thing with he and I growing up. He was my coach. He was an assistant coach on a bunch of teams. And then one year he was um, the head coach. Um, and so, you know, we'll still talk about the White Sox or the World Series or whatever like that. Um, but I, I never, I genuinely, I've thought, could I remember one time where I was like, hey, can you play catch? And he'd be like, no, I'm busy or something. He'd always be like, yeah, yeah, you know, let's do it in 20 minutes or, or let's go right now. Or Now, are you going to be that type of dad or oh, are you just going to screw gonna, that? Yeah, go ask grandpa. No. He'll play whenever you whenever he, <laughs> <laughs> he seemed really into when I was a kid. He's go a talk to sucker. him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do think that would be, <clears throat> that's one of those little things that, you know, I'll try to always, he was really good at, at um, Finding a way to be to do something special. So like I think high school graduation or something like that, he took me to Cooperstown. And so we did like a trip to see the baseball hall of fame. And I think he did something specific for each of my sisters too, because they wouldn't have gotten a kick out of Cooperstown. 
So this is great. Uh, when Frank Thomas got into the Hall of Fame a few years back, he and I scheduled a road trip and we were going to go and I was able to get tickets. I had a contact of a guy I used to work with at ESPN who was like, here's how you can blah, blah, blah. And so we're ready to go and the, it was on a Sunday and the Saturday before I got stuck at work and I was going to leave no later than 10 a.m. And then I agreed to wait till noon and noon became one, became three, became five. And all of a sudden, a 12-hour drive doesn't make sense at 5. Right. And, like, I was, I mean, as livid as I've ever been because I got screwed. I got lied to, and there was nothing to do. I couldn't leave in the middle of this broadcast because there had to be a broadcast. But I was deliberately lied to by one of the executives at the network about it, and I didn't know what to do. And Frank Thomas isn't going in the Hall of Fame again. This is a one-time deal. I know what to do. Out this individual and light light a bridge (laughs) on fire. With the expansive reach of the phone home podcast. Let's just say he's out of the industry, okay? <laughs> uh, it was my doing. Uh, no, and I uh, and so I got home at like 5.30, and he'd been waiting there for hours. And he we kind of like went for a drive just so I could calm down. And then I came back, and it was like, <clears throat> we're not going. We're clearly not driving 12 hours from Chicago to upstate New York. Um, so why don't we just watch it at my place tomorrow. And so we went home and he came back and he brought hot dogs and so we grilled hot dogs and like nice. watched the Hall of Fame. I mean, it was a great way to, you know, as the old saying is, whipped cream on shit. Yep. You know, that was a great way of, of dealing with a crappy situation. All right. Can I say shit? You can say whatever you like, okay. yes. Good. Also, my dad raised me to swear, apparently. Yeah, that is not true, which we're going to hear <laughs> from the interview. Uh, you ready to get into it? Cool. Let's hear it. Hi, Jim. Hi, Chip. We are back. <laughs> uh, so thank you again for, for doing Phone Home. And I, of course, have known you probably now for a little over 20 years, if you can believe that. Yeah. And Mike for even longer. So I know what Mike was like in high school and what he's been like in his adult life. Let's take it back a step and just, you know, talk about what he was like as a kid. And I'm, I'm kind of interested if you guys had any inkling that he would take a career towards journalism or maybe even towards something in sports specifically. Yeah, I don't think until he got to high school that we had any clue, uh, really. He was always a sports fan. He was, you know, he was the kind of kid that would read the sports page first thing in the morning while he had his, ate his cereal sort of thing. But you never know that that's going to lead to broadcasting because there's certainly some different skills. Uh, that really started to take place in high school is when, as you know, he was doing forensics and doing plays, you know, kind of learned how to talk on his feet pretty yeah. well. No, you said he, he was reading the sports page when it, as a kid when he was eating breakfast cereal? Yeah, he, would, he was an avid sports fan. Um, maybe the slightly embarrassing story I've had to tell about him is that at one point when he was younger, he was trying to decide which team he would uh, root for in baseball. You know, I, I grew up a Sox fan and we're both White Sox fans, but for some reason he felt like he ought to have something, something else, uh, besides the Sox to cheer for. And the way he decided it was he was opening up some baseball cards and he said, okay, I'm going to open up this pack of baseball cards. And that first player I see, whatever team he's on, that's, that's what team I'll root for. And, uh, you know, living his whole life in Chicago, up to that point and later of course he the first uh, baseball card was uh, the new york mets <laughs> now is this true is this... i also want to say i love that when he said because i tell people when i do these interviews the parents it's not meant to be embarrassing you know you don't it's meant to be 
good natured. And then so when he teed it up, I was like, oh man, is he gonna tell a really embarrassing story <laughs> out of the gate? And it couldn't have been a more wholesome. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah. No, I was for no reason, like age nine to twelve, I was a huge Mets fan. I, I gen and I think he's right. That's that's a story we tell, anyways, and it doesn't make any sense. And I've been a White Sox fan my whole life, except for those like four years when I have. If you go back to my parents' house, there's like you know a bin under the bed, and it's got uh, I'll exaggerate, but like five thousand baseball cards, and like two thousand are Mets. <laughs> I just, I would I would trade with my cousin Sean, and I would just no matter what, you're like you want a Ryan Sandberg rookie for Bob Ojeda, and <laughs> like, yeah, great, awesome, and. So yeah, I don't know why I was a Mets fan for like I would four love years. if you you know you listened to the old theme song and you but you that was like your dark secret that no one knew. Here come the Mets. The Mets. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, no. What was the, how did that go? Um, I don't remember. They sang it in Mad Men once. I remember. If if it's not if it doesn't have uh, exorbitant fees for the rights, <laughs> it'll be laid down on this right podcast. <laughs> yes. Or on the way out. All right. Uh, meet the Mets. <laughs> meet the That's Mets. That's what the song was. Meet the Mets. Meet Come the on Mets. down and greet the Mets. Um. We'll see. I'll reach out to their people. All right. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm embarrassed to admit my son was a New York Mets fan growing up. Yikes. Well, I knew that when I moved. I guess I moved to Chicago land when I was nine. And I remember distinctly making that decision, too, whether or not I was going to root for the Cubs or the Sox. And I believe I chose Sox just because it was contrarian to do it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just because most of the other kids were Cubs fans, and I was like, nah, I'm gonna shake it up. Well, so many people were Cubs fans, of course, and and Mike would say, yeah, I'm I'm a Mets fan. That wasn't real popular. <laughs> but... Well, it's not really popular in New York either. Um... <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> did you did you guys go to a lot of games growing up? You know, we would go. Uh, I don't think we went to a Cubs game we would go to Sox games maybe once or twice a year and uh it was always it was great uh, you know we we'd keep score and I mean it was the whole father-son baseball thing it really was and Mike played a lot of baseball growing up as well so that added to it um I remember doing that with my dad and the same thing with Mike where you you kind of come out of the tunnel to uh, and all of a sudden you see the field and the sky's blue and the grass is green and you know all those cliches. Um, so I, you know, we really enjoyed it, but we didn't go to a lot of games in person. I mean, can you get more Norman Rockwell? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, come on. But he gets more Norman Rockwell. Oh yeah. Right. Well, because I, well, you'll see what I what I ask him, and I think you teed it up at the beginning of the interview. I think this is where he. Did. No, I know, but no, but you guys did the full. With the pencil and the and the actually keeping score of, of every action in the game, you guys did that. We we really did. I taught him to keep score, and and we did that. And nowadays, it seems so old fashioned because it's all on the scoreboard, I guess. But um, yeah, we would we would do that, and they, you know, not like save the scorecards and go over them a year later or anything, just to kind of remember what was going on in the game. Yeah, of course. Now, you did you coach one of Mike's one of Mike's teams? I did. Moment? I did. When he was in uh, junior high, we were playing in what was kind of the major minor leagues in, in Glen Ellen. So they had one, one league that you had to try out for, and then they had the other league, which was, you know, everybody else. And there were a lot of oh, good players the, I in both. Everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in, you know, a shudder went down my spine because I remember there was a league where never it was actually performance-based. <laughs> was it Pinto? Was that the, the, was, the lower uh, league? Bronco and Pinto, and I forget which one was higher, though. Um, I think I think Pinto was lower. Uh, I was. There will no, be no way to confirm that. Before the, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, I was good enough one year to make the upper league, and I never played. 
And then I was good enough to be in the lower year one year, and I was very good. So if my competition is terrible, I'm really not that bad of a baseball player. I, I think he, I think he talked about you playing. Let's see, he didn't say you were terrible. And I was able to coach one year. It was the Pirates, and I remember the the, the mother of uh, one of the kids who was on the Pirates. You know, I think you stayed on the team for two years. For some reason, knew a lot of the kids coming in and gave me the list of who I should try to draft. <laughs> and we got some really good players. We got some players, a couple of players who probably could have played in the upper league if they wanted to, but they would have been just so-so and they wanted to play every day, you know. So they stayed down in the lower, what I call the lower league, even though it was really competitive and pretty good. And we had a dominant team. It was Amazing. Mike was actually one of the best players. Um, <laughs> other guys you would know, like Kevin Hess, were on it. True. Um, I, we did not go undefeated. I think we lost one game. But my challenge as a coach was to get everybody in playing positions they wanted to and make sure everybody got to play, uh, rotate through more than, you know, we knew we were going to win, frankly, cocky as that sounds. No, I didn't intend for this to be all about like, your team and not you, but it was. It was a good team, man. Yeah. I, I think seriously we went 20 and 1. I mean, we literally lost one game, and it was when, I, he might be saying this in a second, but we let this kid named, should I say his name? Yeah, he's not listening. Bear wanted to pitch. And my dad had a philosophy of like, we're not in the, this isn't college ball. Anybody who sure. wants to play is going to get to play any pitch. And he gave up like eight runs, and we couldn't overcome it. But every other game, we were, and he's right, we had, Kevin Hess was, he would have been an all-star in the upper league. So he was an all-star <laughs> in our league. And yeah, we were, we were really good. I can't wait for this episode to shake stuff up in the little league, <laughs> the contentious little league circles of. I still remember! Of Glen Ellen, Illinois. But it was just rotating players. And Mike played center field and shortstop, and it was pretty good. That's awesome. I did not know that you had the inside scoop from a from a Glen Ellen mom that got you guys the stacked team. Yeah, yeah. It was. It. I. I, I felt a little guilty about it, but I. But I have to say, we were really <laughs> intense about playing people in different positions and not, you know, just dominating. I mean, I. We rotated pitchers in. I had one one little kid, little kid. Sorry, but um, a younger kid who was small at the time and wanted to pitch and could barely throw and we let him pitch aha uh-huh, like father like son is this it the is. story you brought up yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let him pitch. you know three innings and he did fine nice. it's that sort of thing because you know frankly it's pretty easy to do if you've got a lot of good players but that's what we did now before we move on i have to ask did did she slip you this information like she was fixing a boxing match how exactly did this transaction <laughs> go down <laughs> i honestly i don't remember how i got it i just remember having I, you know, I don't think we were like on cell phones where I'd say, hey, this guy's available or anything else. I, I'll bet you <laughs> what happened was that when we went to the tryouts, um, she just gave me – it wasn't a list of I mean, sure. but she said, you know, if there are any of these six kids are available, you ought to try to take them. So that's what we did. An informal plus, scout. You know, yeah, that plus $20 I left on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jim takes the, the low-lying fruit for the yep, joke. it was there. He took it. That's awesome. All right, let's carry on. So tell me a bit about when, what your experience was as a family when Mike was on Dream Job and, and found out that he was going to have that opportunity. Tell me a bit about that from, from how the experience was for you. Yeah, so... Uh... Do we need to set this up? 
Yes, we can absolutely set this up. So Mike, uh, well, he, he won uh, ESPN's reality show Dream Job in 2003. Four. 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 Which was basically American Idol for sportscasters. Correct. It's scour the country, 10,000 people audition. They put 12 on the show. You do different sportscasting tasks, and each week you eliminate one or two people, and you get it down to the final two, and then you do this huge sports center anchoring thing, which the final episode I interviewed Peyton Manning and anchored with Carl Ravitch, and like it was... Uh, a really cool, and Stuart Scott hosted it, and then I won and got a one-year deal on ESPN, but it was a huge deal. It was February and March of 04. They promoted it like crazy, and it had more than a million viewers every Sunday night. I mean, it really was, back then, it was a, a big deal. I guess part of the reason I for, you know, decided, like, do we even need to tell people? To every time I tell people, even if they don't know you in your current in your current roles, they remember the show. Really? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Which is why I was trying to... I was like, everyone knows what it is, because literally every anytime I brought it up. That's interesting. I'm yeah. surprised by that. I guess maybe because I'm surrounded by, uh, like, the nature of my job is I work with college students a lot, and so they would have been six when it was on. You know, they no would have excuses. been four. <laughs> so they don't know, but yeah. yeah. It was a little otherworldly, of course. You know, you're watching him on TV. Um, I remember distinctly the tryout process, and he was like, you know, maybe I'll try out for this. You probably have heard this story, but he kind of got shamed by some girls on campus into trying out. He was like, ah, this is a hack thing. I'm a journalism major. Well, I want to ask one thing really quick. Tell me a bit about, because I did not know the story that friends of yours, whoops, sorry, Jim. Sorry, remote Jim. <laughs> that, tell me a bit about that. Oh, about the, the girls on campus shaming yes. me? So, so it's September of 03, and I'm a senior at the University of Missouri, broadcast journalism major. And um, I, I've heard, you know, there are commercials for this dream job show, and, I, and I've read the flyers, and it was like, you know, it, it seemed like American Idol, which to me was a crapshoot. Like, well, what, what would I do to stand out among 10,000 people? Like, that's just sort of a silly waste of time. And this girl, Katie, who was a broadcast journalism major, sent me an email the morning of like a Tuesday morning, and her exact text was, this is perfect for you. You should do this. If you don't do it, I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> Dash Katie. About eight hours later, a friend of mine named Moral, who was, she knew Katie, but they were by no means super best friends or anything, or like they would be in on a bit together. She forwards me this email about Dream Job and says, quote, this is perfect for you. If you don't do this, I'll hurt you. Love, Moral. And I was like, that's weird. Two pretty different people, almost the exact same verbiage on what to do. And so I was like, I guess that's a sign. And so because of that, I had grabbed a buddy and I said, all right, this Saturday in St. Louis, they're doing an audition. Let's go do it. And so we got up at 4 a.m. and drove down and, and did it. And then I made the Chicago Regionals and the New York Nationals and then was on the show. And so when I won, I made sure to give a couple dozen roses to Katie and Moral to say nice. thank you because that's the only reason I did it. It really was because I wasn't going to do it. And then when both of them the same day, I was like, huh, okay. Well, it's a good thing that your ambition wasn't to get worked over by two women at the same time <laughs> in college because then you might have just gone the other way. <laughs> Keeping it clean. Let's keep it moving, Jim. <laughs> but he ended up doing it, and I think it was in the second or third round. You know, he would call me beforehand and afterwards and tell us how he was doing. And he, uh, as part of the tryout, he got to interview Barry Sanders. And I remember him calling me and going, you know, this was the greatest experience. Even if I don't go on, I don't care. I got the interview of Hall of Famer Barry Sanders, and I was able to make him laugh in the interview. Because that was always Mike's thing was he sports should be fun. And he thought so many people take it too seriously that you're supposed to have fun with it. Yep. 
And he was really excited that he was able to get Barry Sanders to laugh. Um, and then so we'd watch it every night and, you know, have friends and family texting and voting for him and calling us to say he did great or whatever happened. And then uh, for the last show, we got to go to New York, um, which was really exciting. So we saw it in person. Um, it was great. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, post-Dream Job, I had a couple of experiences where I'd be with Mike and just out of the blue, somebody would come up and say something to him. You know, hey, aren't you Mike Hall? And it was uh, one of the proudest times I've had as a parent um, to see him. You know, he was never cocky about it. And to see him, he'd, he'd stop and he'd say, yeah, that's me. What's your name? And shake their hand. And, oh, how did you enjoy Dream Job? And do you play baseball? Or what sport are you interested in? And you have a regular conversation with these people. And, and uh, that happened once in a Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> when I was with him. And it happened once in a White Sox game where a little kid came over and uh, it was really cool as a parent to see how he, you know, responded, took the time, talked to him. Not that he was that famous, but you know, some people would just say, Hey, that's me. Yeah. How are you? He always stopped and spent time with him. I thought it was pretty cool. Of course. Oh, that's awesome that you got to be able to be there for that. And that it was, you just sort of got to watch it and be proud and, and just take a step back and just watch the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember afterwards too, we went on Dan Patrick's show and uh, Dan, as you would expect, was not a fan of Dream Job. I mean, here's guys like him who've spent their whole career coming up, you know, working at a radio station in Rockford and, you know, moving up. And here, uh, this kid wins a contest and gets to be on the air. Um, but he handled it great. He, he went on with Dan and basically said, uh, you know, I don't for a minute think I'm as good as the people who work here already who have earned the right to, you know, be regarded highly, but I do have some skills, and I think I'm going to be pretty good at what I do, and I'm excited to learn, and blah, 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 and he handled it great, and I think he turned Dan into a fan. Is that true? I don't know if he's a fan of mine, but... Um, you, tamed, <clears throat> you tamed him, at least for that, for that interview. <laughs> I agree. You, you know, I, I think Dan and I had a complicated relationship. I adore him. I still look up to Dan Patrick, but he really did fundamentally hate that <coughs> show, um, and I think I turned him from hating me to understanding me and tolerating me I, I think if I saw him here he'd smile and he'd shake my hand and say how are you he would by no means be upset with me but I think there was such a deep-seated dislike by him and a lot of people which I don't fault them I, I, I still to this day totally get like you work your butt off and then this kid one of the guys John Anderson told me when I got there he was like I think the big thing that was nice is you were asking questions when you got here you didn't act like you owned the joint. Right. And to me, I, I don't understand how you couldn't do that. Of course. Like, <laughs> but but that was what they all sort of feared was that some, you know, crazy kid was going to say, you guys suck. Here's how you got to do sports, Santa. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, that's funny. I remember. I will say what my dad doesn't remember about meeting the kid at Dunkin' Donuts was when my dad looked away, I was like, you'll never be anything, kid. Yeah. You're not me. Run. And smacked him. My dad Stay was like, away what from was that? I was like, I gave him a high five. <laughs> I, well, I also think that when you mentioned the Barry Sanders interview that I know if I meet someone that is that I'm impressed with or that I'm starstruck by, I'm never comfortable until I make them laugh. Oh yeah, yeah. And you can't try too hard because then it goes the wrong way, way too quickly. Totally, yeah. But that happened with the with the yeah. Interview. It was it was the first I found out later. I was the first. This is the New York National Finals. I was the first person to go, and um, they they did a two-part thing. One was like you did a newscast with a couple highlights and then you interviewed someone you only had five minutes to prepare for. So we didn't know who it would be. 
And then they said, okay, in five minutes, you're going to meet Barry Sanders. And they handed you a packet of information on Barry Sanders. I mean, luckily, I was a sports fan, so I knew who he was and watched him kill the Bears for years. So I had a bunch of stuff. And I also knew he went to Oklahoma State. And I went to Missouri. They were in the Big 8, and then they were at the Big 12 together. And so I was like, oh, I might make some reference here. And I don't remember what I did to make him laugh, but I do remember making him laugh. And we had some tie-in with the Big 8 old ties and the Big 12 current ties. And then, like, we were bonding. And if you got time, I got a great Barry Sanders story for you. Hit me. A year after Dream Job, um, I am at this convention. And the night out, I was with an ESPN anchor who crushed me drinking the night before and I was as hungover as I've ever been and I get to this thing the next morning and I'm supposed to interview like three or four people and Barry Sanders is one of them and I'm like just green in the face and at one point the lady who's running it she's like we got 10 more minutes here until our next guest arrives do you need to go to the bathroom I was like yes I do and she goes okay the hallway's down there and again I'm just totally hungover because the night before I was trying to hang with the full-grown adult uh, as a little college boy. And so I like turned down this long hallway and I just kind of book it. And I, and all of a sudden coming around the corner is Barry Sanders with an entourage of people. And I was like, Oh no. And I turned my head to the side so that I won't make eye contact. And after like 10 steps, I was like, he's a hall of famer. Why would he remember me from a 10 minute conversation back then? That's stupid. So, and then I was like, okay, so I'll walk normal. And I walk like five more steps and I hear him go, Hey, Missouri tiger. <laughs> He not only remembered me, but remembered the Big 8, Big 12 discussion we had, remembered my school. Wow. And so he starts peppering me with super friendly questions like, congrats on the show. And I'm holding in throw up in my mouth, trying not to, you know, vomit on an all-time great player. And I'm like, I'm good. And he's like, congrats on the show. He's like, Bug. He's like uh, so are you excited for this? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I guess I'll see you in a couple minutes. That sounds good. And just like booked it and like pushed open the bathroom door and oh, yeah. flying out projectile. And so yeah, I almost threw up in the greatest running back of all time. That would have not been a recoverable <laughs> thing to have happen. Oh boy. All right, let's carry on. It's got a lot to do with my dad, doesn't it? Yes. Now you mentioned this is interesting because if I don't think I knew this, but I didn't even mentioned that a few of his friends had to convince him to to actually try out when he was on campus. Yeah. Tell me a, a bit more about that. I didn't know that that, that, that backstory. Well, yeah, I don't I don't know a lot of the details, so this may be a little little bit of lore that's been built up. But my understanding was that just from Mike was that um, you know when the the news of the contest came out, you know people trying out were you know car salesmen and you know people who had no journalism background, and and he was a senior at arguably the best or the next to the best journalism school it's the best it's and the, i think he kind best. of thought it was below him and the story that i hear is you know a couple of people i don't know that they were really good friends but some then supposedly it was some girls that he knew said you know what are you afraid of you chicken i'm gonna like, go try out it could be fun you gotta do this and he was like yeah okay i guess i will <laughs> yeah well it's it's funny whenever those small what ifs happen in the universe that you if you reflect that you almost didn't do it or that it took someone else to encourage you to, exactly. to do something that's a that's a huge turning point yeah and you're right there are so many cases like that we can we can all think of you know and him ending up at, at missouri was kind of a, a little bit of a freak uh he really wanted to go to illinois initially because he knew he had cousins and friends and people who were at illinois 
and uh, initially he didn't get in at Illinois. So his second choice was, again, one of the best journalism schools in the country. And then after he got accepted <laughs> at Missouri, Illinois uh, did a late admission thing and said, you know, we, we can take you after all. And he had to decide what he'd want to do. And he, he kind of thought, you know, if he didn't want me the first time, <laughs> I'm committed to Missouri, so I'm going to go there. All right, if I may, the only thing my dad has ever done that I legitimately give him a hard time for is he doesn't properly say the name of the state he lives in. There's no E in Illinois. There is not an E. It's not Illinois, Dad. It's Illinois. I had only... drink milk? (laughs) I only noticed just now when he said it. (laughs) And I thought, maybe it's just me, but it's not. You totally heard it. Yeah, Illinois. He has more to tell about Illinois. Uh, Now I'm not going to stumble over it every time I (laughs) say it. You're going to say Illinois. Uh, All right. Well, I think I, yeah, well, we already said Good for him. Credit for. Yeah. I had, well, that's interesting. I had almost the exact same thing happen with Illinois, where I had to choose. And then I ended up going to Indiana for for a different reason. But uh, I did not know that Mike and I had that in common. Yeah. The the story is, which um, Mike's mom would contest a little bit, uh, (laughs) but I think this is right. He got a, he got a, uh, he was at Glumbard West as a senior and he got a letter in the mail and it said, you know, came from Illinois, and my wife either, depending on who you listen to, either <laughs> steamed it open to find out that it was good news, or you know, looked through the looked through the window, or somehow saw that it said, "Dear Mike, congratulations." She didn't see the whole letter, I, so I think she just looked through the window envelope, and so she came to school to give it to him because it was such exciting news, and found him in the hallway, handed him the letter, and he goes you got to open this. you got to open this. He opened it up, and it said, Dear Mike, congratulations. You've been admitted to the spring semester at <laughs> University of Illinois. Unfortunately, we don't have any room in the fall. Oh. But we think you'd probably enjoy you know, traveling or working and earning some money or something else, and then come on down in January. So a couple things. The, yeah. the fact that your mom came to find you in person, <laughs> which seems like, I don't know, that seems antique. Antiquated to me. Maybe it's not. Maybe you can just stroll into a school again now. Oh gosh, probably, I wonder. Right? Yeah. Like she just probably walked up to the front office and said, "Hey, I I'm mean, going to go find. Where, where's Mike going to be next?" Yeah, she was the type of mom who knew every teacher who was on the PTA, so she might have had a little more clout. But um, but yeah, you're right. Maybe that is antiquated. But yeah, I mean, we could spend 30 minutes on this, and I'll, I'll be glad to. But the quick version is. Uh, she comes running in, and I had a forensics, a speech team practice that day. And again, it was harder to get into Missouri. You needed harder ACTs. You needed better GPAs. And I got into Missouri the first week, and it took three months for Illinois to get back to me. And it's February, and she comes running in. This, this envelope <laughs> is ripped. It is ripped <laughs> open, and there's like That's scotch not tape or something. And and I remember this. I'm like, what is this? And she was like, I just came in the mail. I thought you'd want it. And I was like, it's open. She's like, just what does it say? And I was like, Mom, <laughs> you can't open. Just, I didn't know. Just, I just read. What does it say? And then sure enough, it's, it's you know, a letter is folded in three. Well, on the first part of the trifold, there's the Illinois logo. There's the date. There's the seal, blah, blah, blah. And then there's room for one sentence. And it says, Dear Mr. Hall, we at the University of Illinois Journalism Department would like to say congratulations. And then the second fold <laughs> says you've been accepted for second semester, not the first. And so... My dad's theory is my mom's theory, which is she looked through the, the hole in the envelope or she steamed it and opened it or whatever, read the first line. And so my theory is there's a ripped envelope for her. She did. Yeah. <laughs> we literally just got into this over the last holiday. Um, 
And but it is true. There was one line that said congratulations. The second line was the smack in the face. And so like, imagine being a parent and coming to a school and being like, I got great news. You can come to my alma mater. And my Brutal. oh my gosh. And then uh, why would you deliver this bad news to me in person, mom? And she was like, What are you talking about? I thought it was great news. I'm like, No. Now I, ah, forget this place. <laughs> I didn't go to that school. Now, in addition to you know this episode ripping through the uh, Glen Ellen baseball community, <laughs> I would also like to point out. That all my friends got admitted to the University of Illinois on the first pass, <laughs> and I did not. Yeah. And this was this was in the days of analog when you waited for the actual physical letter, and I did get admitted several weeks later, but they made me sweat. And yeah, yeah I had what I thought were good grades and a good ACT. So. Yeah. Well, and the weird thing, too, is, so this was like February, they accepted me for the second semester, and then in like May, they accepted me for the first. And I was like, do you? Th- Jerking you around. What is wrong with you? And I was a legacy with my parents, and I had way better grades, so, yeah, whatever. It all worked out. I'm, I'm going to keep my mail away from your mom. Yeah, well, she'd still dispute that. And uh, that wasn't what he wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, he's, he's given his mother a very hard time about, you know, bringing the letter to school and whether she looked at it or not. <laughs> that's that's tough that's tough because she was pumped up about it and then hand delivered right. it right right oops well it worked but out it worked out it worked out for the best <clears throat> it did indeed um so what let's talk a bit about you know you mentioned it, you obviously watched dream job and, and you saw that happen so how how involved or how much did you watch when he was on ESPNU, um, did you see him much on TV then, or was that? I'm just curious how much you, in those first few years, you followed his career. Saw him. Yeah, uh, you know, when he was on ESPN, obviously, when he did Sports Center for a week, we watched every night, taped it, everything. Um, after that, honestly, it gets to be kind of it's sort of a job. Yep. You know. And if something unusual was happening, I'd tune in. But when he was at ESPNU and he'd be talking about, you know, Virginia Commonwealth State Teachers College doing something, I mean, I didn't really care that much. Of course. Um, Meanest thing I've ever heard your dad say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that was so funny. Oh, ruthless. What he didn't know is I didn't care either. Right. Now we know. <laughs> and again, since we're hitting all corners of the country, the, yep. the Virginia poor Commonwealth Tech college teachers <laughs> state, they're all going to be very upset when they hear this. Pitchforks outside my house. So we, we would watch for, for special occasions or whatever. And it's kind of that way now that he's on Big Ten Network. I mean, I don't see him every day, but I will uh, tune in every once in a while. Um, one of the, we went to see him at ESPN. And at ESPNU, and uh, one of the things he used to do, which was kind of fun, is at a at a break, you know, you can talk to them. I mean, they're when they go to commercial break, they're doing stuff, but it's not frantic. And so, uh, from time to time, I think he learned this from Trey Wingo, but I'm not sure. From time to time, he'd say, "Give me a word," and you'd say, "Okay, uh, grandmother." And when they'd come out of break. He'd say, so, uh, you know, LeBron James is playing not like your grandmother, but like something, something, <laughs> whatever word you gave him, somehow they would find a way to work it into whatever they were saying when they came out of break. It's awesome. Which was fun. Yeah. Some good behind the scenes, how the sausage is made. 
Yeah, a little bit. And I think if you, you know, if you were watching, you might go, "What? Did, how did he do that?" But I, I think you probably didn't notice, and it's just people who were there, you know, appreciated it. Um, and I got, you know, I got to meet some of the people there, which was a kick. Um, and they all spoke pretty highly of him. It was fun. I tell you a great story about him being at ESPN was, <clears throat> so I'm giving him a tour in the newsroom. And like the ESPN newsroom, especially back in the day in, in 04, 05, would be packed with these big time people and like big time athletes because the analysts that ESPN has are superstars. Well, Michael Irvin is this flamboyant, uh, you know, crazy life story, rich wide receiver, Hall of Famer. And he was, he was at ESPN at the time and he happened to be in the hallways or in the newsroom and we're walking down. And I was just like, oh, this is fun. I'll be like, hey, Michael. And he'd be like, yeah, what's up? And I say, hey, this is my dad, Jim. And so I watched them shake hands. And I turn around. Somebody taps me on the shoulder, a producer. And so I talk to them for a second. And I talk with him. And I turn around. And, like, he's giving my dad, like, bro hugs and pulling him in. And he's cracking up at my dad. And he's telling stories about his kids. And dad's telling stories about his. And I had to, like, separate the two of them. And I was like, you can't find much more different backgrounds than (laughs) Michael Irvin and Jim Hall. And it was, like, one of my favorite, like, as a son moment of, like, that is awesome that I got to witness that happen. So cool. Does he does he remember remember that? Does he talk about it? Um, I don't know if Michael still talks about it. I mean, he probably does. <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't brought it up in a little while. I mean, it was 12, 13 years ago. Um, but I'm sure my dad remembers it. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Jim, this has been great. This has been a lot of fun. Um, learned a couple things about <clears throat> about Mike and about his college admissions that I didn't know previously. Yeah. Um, no, but this has been awesome, and uh, I really appreciate you doing it. Yeah, nice to talk with you. All right, thanks so much again. Take care, Chip. Take care. Bye. And there it is. Pretty fun. Jim Hall, ladies and gentlemen. He's a big jerk, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the Virginia State Teachers College. <laughs> they hate will never him. be the same. <laughs> uh, you can catch Mike on the Big Ten Network and uh, on Sports Light if you are a fan of that. He can be... You should be a fan of that. <laughs> it's it's say, the best. I'm a fan of it. It's the best. And you can follow Mike on Twitter at BTN Mike. Mike, thank you, my man. You bet, Chip. That was fun. Thanks, Dad. You were a good sport. Thank you, Jim.